Hello and welcome to ITIC Insight, the podcast which shares loss prevention advice from ITIC, the world's leading provider of professional indemnity insurance for transport professionals everywhere. Hello, I'm Charlotte Kirk, ITIC's Commercial Director, and I'm joined today by Andrew Jameson, ITIC's Claims Director. Hello. My claim to fame here today is that I taught Andrew what a shipbroker was many years ago. However, Andrew's claim to fame was that he took my basic and very limited information and authored a legal textbook, Shipbrokers and the Law. Today, we're going to discuss commission collection. We're going to look at some of the reasons why shipbrokers aren't paid and what action shipbrokers can take to get paid. We should start with ITIC's Rule 10, which is a legal costs and debt collection cover. It means that ITIC doesn't pay the debt, but it pays the costs of chasing the debt, the costs of lawyers, correspondence, ship arrest if necessary. I think that's important to stress that what we offer is a full insurance of the legal costs involved, as well as our expertise having been doing this since the 1920s. Yeah, in fact, it was the reason we were set up. We haven't got figures back to the 1920s, but we can say that since 1992, we've collected $216 million of shipbrokers' commission and ship agents' disbursements, which is about an average of $7 million a year. So it's not bad, really. We are very successful when we get going and if we're told early enough. So where should we start? With some self-help remedies. Well, I think the important thing is to realise that an awful lot of our cases are simply unpaid commission invoices. There's no actual dispute about them being due. But there are some things that you can do for yourself which will actually help in the collection process. Now, the first one is always be prompt with both invoicing and then chasing up invoices. Yeah, absolutely. Shipbrokers' glasses are always half full and are never very quick at commission collection. In fact, they're probably one of the slowest that we come across with invoicing. I think leaving an invoice for three months is fine. Six months, you should probably notify ITIC. We don't necessarily have to take action at that point, but we can let you know if we have other members who are owed monies. Nine months, really, you really should be on it. And 12 months, that's where ITIC says we cannot assist, it's too late. We do have a 12-month rule in our cover that says that debts that we're asked to chase should not be more than 12 months old. ICIC is a mutual and we don't rigidly apply the rules, but that rule is there for a very good reason. Generally speaking, old debts are harder to pursue, but we also find that in that time the ship may have been sold, operators can go bust, and indeed there are good legal reasons in relation to potential arrests where the time limit can be of effect. So it's a very important that brokers do appreciate that while they do have commercial relations and they're very reluctant to do anything to disturb their relationship with a potential principal, realistically, if you leave them too long, then it's very hard for us to collect the debt for you. Yeah. And you've also been working for a year and you've not been paid. So there must be, there's a benefit for you chasing your principals. And if it is an embarrassment or awkward with your principal, then pass it to us and we can be the bad guys. Charlotte uses the word embarrassment, and I'm actually almost embarrassed to say this, but perhaps the most important single thing I could say today is, could you please get the invoice details correct? 
it's amazing how many times ITIC have started legal processes only to find the invoices are wrongly addressed or they don't match up with the charter party or there are some details. And this can cause a lot of problems when you're actually having to go before a judge and set out your case. Or indeed, if it's a liquidation situation, if you're trying to prove your debt in a restructuring or a bankruptcy, you feel these details can actually result in your claim being rejected. Little basic details are very important. Yeah, sorry, I was going to interrupt there. I was going to say that shipbrokers are sometimes aghast that they they say everybody knows the party to chase. It's obvious. Why do you need these details? Well, we need the details to be correct for when it gets too legal or into liquidation, as Andrew's just said. Yes, it's often a, the use of sort of generic titles for companies which don't actually have any legal footing. And what you can then find is that one company has got assets and then denying that your invoice is properly payable by them. Then you have to go back and try and then prove your entire case. Whereas if you had actually addressed your invoice correctly in the first place, you would have made the process quite a bit simpler. So we're saying get it right first time. What about dealing with other brokers? You mean when there's another broker between you and the paying party? So a typical situation would be if you were the buyer's broker and there is a seller's broker. You can often find that situation where the seller's broker is the one who is perhaps reluctant to take action against the sellers or if it's a long-term time charter, perhaps against the owners. And then you have this difficulty because the documents all show that the commission was payable to them for division and you are that bit removed and trying to push the other broker into paying. And that can sometimes be quite difficult. I recall that you had this type of case. Yes, you're right. I had a recent case where we were contacted by a Scandinavian broker who faced this exact situation. Their co-broker was a Far Eastern broker who was not prepared to chase their principal and certainly not prepared to issue legal proceedings. They repeatedly said to the Scandinavians, just be patient, they'll pay. Eventually, the Scandinavians persuaded the seller's broker to assign the right to commission to them. So it was the Scandinavians and not the Far Easterns who sued. Now that solution relied on the agreement of the seller's broker and that's not a situation that is common or may happen every time. So we were really lucky. We often see commission agreements between brokers in S&P business and indeed longer time charters. If there is an agreement, one way of potentially strengthening the position of the buyers or the charterer's broker is to insert wording in that commission agreement that the seller's broker will take all reasonable steps to obtain payment of a total commission. That will give you a clause to point at when they start becoming reluctant to take action and may you just add to the pressure on them to do so. So it's something to bear in mind if you're being sent a commission agreement between brokers. And another way you can strengthen your position is by using terms and conditions, which is something that ITIC has been probably talking about for the last 10 years. But certainly in the last five years, we have seen a lot more shipbrokers relying on standard terms and conditions. These are available on our website. There is a draft for any shipbroker to use. So go ahead. But it's probably the subject of a whole other podcast, so we won't go down that, that route right now. However, I can't leave the topic without mentioning that if you do use standard trading conditions, and especially the ones that are based on the type of um, text that we have published, it will improve your position in terms of collecting commission. Yep, good point, well made. So now let's have a look at some of the reasons why a shipbroker may not be paid their commission. I think, Charlotte, most of the cases we see are simply cash flow issues or just the reluctance to pay. There's no actual dispute and you're just pursuing an unpaid commission about which there is no dispute. 
No, but then over the last, in recent times, I was going to say the last few years, but I think it's a bit longer than that. We have seen the, we're not paying you until everything else is paid. This is unfortunately a common reason owners give for withholding commission. And they claim that it's not their policy or that it's market practice not to pay until all claims under a CP are settled and the file is closed. And owners sometimes try and justify this by saying the brokers won't diligently assist with demurrage and other claims if they haven't, if they've already received their commission. I think that's rather a narrow view of the service most of our members provide. Let's make this very simple. There is no legal basis for people failing to pay commission on money they have received. Sometimes you can actually make use of the Charter Party Commission Clause. This often comes up in tanker trades in relation to demurrage. And have a quick look at the ASBA tank Charter Party form. It quite clearly provides that commission is payable by owners on the actual amount of freight when and as freight is paid. It couldn't really be any clearer. In other markets, there's actually quite a useful bit of the Baltic Code, which describes withholding payment of undisputed sums, including commission to brokers, as being unacceptable. There is no market practice that entitles you not to pay commission on sums you have received. Yeah, and that's something that we're having to say quite a lot. And any shipbrokers, you can say it too without having to con- consult us. Commission is due on freight or higher paid. Another situation we see is when owners will say that the reason they're not paying commission is because it was deducted by the charterers. Now, if the broker agreed that the charterers should deduct their commission, then obviously they can't then blame the owners if the owners aren't paying the commission. It's common sense. But unfortunately, what happens is that the charterers may have a dispute with the owners and underpay them, and that will be then used by the owners as an excuse for not paying the brokers. It doesn't work as a matter of law, most charter parties are very, very clear that it is the owners who will pay commission. Therefore, unless you are party to the decision that the charters will deduct and pay, you as the broker are entitled to go to the owner and say, you have to pay me commission on what you received. So let's have a look at what we can do to help shipbrokers collect their commission. Sometimes simply an approach from ITIC is all that is needed to get you paid. We have a reputation in the market and people know that our our members will then have the financial backing in terms of our insurance to pursue a claim claim against the owner. So actually we have a very high hit rate just on the first message. I think an email from somebody in London being different from the shipbroker is also is a big hit. Yeah, I think if that doesn't work, however, then there are a number of different ways we use to collect commission. I think it's always easier to look at actual cases. A couple of different cases we've had in fairly recent times. In both cases, commission was undisputed, but the owners just delayed making payment. So I'll talk about the first one, and it involved commission on a time charter. Hire had been paid. ITI say made contact with the debtors who confirmed that the commission was due, but said they would pay it as soon as they could, but they wouldn't give a date as to when the members would receive it. Our members said, we know that the vessel is scheduled to call in South Africa, which put quite a nice big smile on our face because South Africa is one of the jurisdictions which allows ships to be arrested for commission owed by owners. We arranged for local lawyers to arrest the ship on behalf of the members. And strangely enough, the unpaid commission was paid fairly promptly. Sorry to interrupt, but we can't assume that arrest is always the answer, is it? It's extremely difficult to arrest for shipbrokers' commission. There are a number of things. First is that some countries won't allow you to do so. The USA, for example, 
will not accept that commission is a maritime claim. The other one is actually sometimes it's quite practically difficult to get the arrest arranged in time. There are jurisdictions where you have to have all the documents translated into the local language. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, it's all right. No, I, mean, I think that just reflects the sort of frustration we sometimes feel. And going back to that early point we made about you know getting your act together, having things in order, having things properly addressed, this is when it really pays off. But if arrest isn't an option... Clearly, there are cases where we can just issue arbitration proceedings, etc. But I think we had quite a novel one out of Turkey, which I leave it for you to tell people about. Yeah, so so the shipbroker was owed money by a Turkish owner, and the owners were contacted by ITIC, and we also used our local correspondent. The Turkish owner promised that they're going to pay at the end of the week, at the end of the month, within two weeks of their next freight payment, but payment wasn't forthcoming. The vessel was no longer trading and arresting the ship was not an option. We found that the registered owner was a Maltese company and we also discovered that they had an ongoing legal dispute which meant the company had to continue to exist. It was vital for them to stay operating or not operating but in existence for this legal dispute that they had. A Maltese lawyer was engaged by us to issue a statutory demand against the company and then commence winding up proceedings Funnily enough, that threat of insolvency proceedings meant that the shipbroker was paid in full. So it was another very long lever that worked very well. Well, Charlotte, perhaps this is time to sum up what we've said. Yeah, I think so. And I think really be on top of your outstanding commission shipbrokers. Your glasses are always half full, but you do need to be on top of your debt. You need to train your principals to pay. Within three months would be brilliant. Within six months would be a definite cutoff. If you feel awkward pushing your principal, then get your credit control to push them or ask ITIC to assist. But don't leave it too late. One last thing I'd just like to say is that while we treat all the information we receive from members as confidential, we will always be willing to say if we do actually have something ongoing against a particular owner. So if you are concerned about someone you're doing business with if there is a delay in paying, you can always just give us a ring and say, do you know anything about these people? We can't give you details, but we will just give you as a member of ITIC the knowledge that ITIC is actually already pursuing them. That in itself may be a lesson for you. Yeah, and know know how, how much you want to start your commission collection and how quickly. Okay, well, that's all from us today. So thank you, Andrew. And thank you, Charlotte. Bye. Thank you for listening to ITIC Insight. We hope you found this edition interesting and informative. To ensure you never miss an episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts. 